Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exists, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. How you doing, Marshall? I'm doing okay. Seems like a strange question. We've been sitting here talking for an hour. <laughs> for an hour. It's like like we like we haven't already been catching up. Uh, no, I'm good, man. There's like, catching up to do. I mean, we only see each other once a week now. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, it is. I'm, I miss you, Tim. Aww. I miss seeing you on a regular basis. But I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it's a good day. I mean, it's kind of a little dreary outside. Kind of a spring day, foggy, misty, but... But it's recording day. Yeah, I know. These are big days. They are busy days. Thursdays <laughs> are big days. Big, long, busy days. So let's get it rolling. Mm-hmm. This week's question. Yes. Is there any way to escape punishment... And be brought back into God's favor. I certainly hope so. So this is a follow-up as they are, sort of one question leading to the next. Mm-hmm. Last week's question, is God going to allow sin and idolatry to go unpunished? And the answer was hard no. Mm-hmm. Before that, we had noted that everyone has sinned yeah, or committed a form of idolatry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if everyone's done it, and it's not going to get overlooked, then what? Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, no, that's it. Like, this is, right, if, if God is going to righteously punish sin, and we've established that we have sinned against God, is there hope for us? Insert purgatory? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, well, no, you can, because we start off talking how if people answer Oh, this. sure, okay, okay, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So purgatory, where... If your works weren't enough to save you on life, you can work more Yeah. Uh, in and, an afterlife. And people back on earth can like pray and give some extra money and kind yeah. of boost your numbers. Which the, the Mormons have also taken to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Praying for... In fact, if you, if you get into genealogies and stuff, the number one place to really access information in genealogies is going to have some sort of Mormon connection. Yeah. They are world leaders in genealogy because they believe you can pray people into heaven. Yeah, they like post they, facto. They baptize their deceased ancestors and do stuff like that. It's fun. Yeah. Or baptisms for them. I don't know how they I mean I don't I hope they're not like digging up graves and stuff. I don't know. I've never looked into seeing if like they have if it's just sort of a ceremonial thing or if someone stands in. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but no, it is a thing. Yeah. It is a thing. And so those are some answers. Sure. Yeah. Right. Just, you know, kind of the, the just make an effort and God sees that you're trying. Yeah. And that's I, enough. You know, just 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 try to be a good person. Right. I, I was talking with a guy one time um, and, and we were we were just standing out in the parking lot of, of the church there in Toronto and uh he was. He found out that I was the pastor, which always makes people uncomfortable. I know. I'm learning that little by little now. Mm-hmm. People, when <laughs> when I walk into the room, people will say out loud, "Oh, pastor's here." Got to change what you're talking about. <laughs> Most of the time, they're kind of joking. Right. Not not that they're necessarily talking about things that they wouldn't say in front of their pastor. Mm-hmm. But that the shift takes place in their mind. Mm. It's an alienating thing. 
Uh, but anyway, anyway, this is not my personal counseling session. Uh, don't do that, people. Sorry, I just want to <laughs> <laughs> don't stop. Just please stop doing that stuff. Uh, just don't do it to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because Christ is always there. Um, I don't even remember where I was going with this. Oh, anyway, I was talking to this guy, and, and he he does the whole, like, you know, I, I don't read my Bible, and um, and I don't go to church, um, but I pray, and that's all God really wants from us. Um, that's enough. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he was like, you, you're not, he just had this look on his face, <laughs> like, you're not supposed to challenge that. <laughs> right, right. Right? It's it was, It's a flippant thing that you throw out there and everyone just nods in agreement and i was just like well how do you know that that's true and he's like well i mean we just we know that that's what god wants from him. he just wants us to to pray to him so, i didn't know that where did you learn that <laughs> and and he he was i was trying to pin him to either say it's in the bible somewhere to where i could say it's not or show me right um and, or to say, I just feel like that's right. Mm. Um, and, and he kind of went with the latter. I just feel like that's right. Like, surely that's enough. Um, and so I, I just asked him like, well, how do you know how to pray f- or what to pray for? And he's like, I just share my heart. And, uh, said, and you, you feel like he knows your heart. And he said, oh, of course God would know my heart. And he knows that your heart doesn't want to spend time in his word or with his people. And he was like, mm, I'm going to have to think on that one. And then he promptly left. <laughs> it, we, it was just it was a sort of like parking lot carnival thing, right? Sure, sure. And followed by the next person who came up. And it was, you know, kids are always a great icebreaker, right? Mm-hmm. And this lady came up and she's like, oh, you know, our daughters are playing together. And I was like, yeah, you know, what's your daughter? And then the whole like, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm the pastor here. Oh, uh, well, we go to church somewhere else, right? Which means right, it's the wall, right? Don't tell me about Jesus, mm-hmm. right? I go to church somewhere else. And I was like, oh, that's great. What church do you go to? Deer in headlights. <laughs> she couldn't think of the name of her church. Until I had to tell her the name of her church. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's it. That's the one. Um, all, of, all of that to say. Mm-hmm. Boy, I got so many stories on this. <laughs> <laughs> last one. Kay. Last story. All right. Let's hear another one. A friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, um, doing some door-to-door visiting. Knocked on this door and this guy goes... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a I'm a member and I go to church over at this church. I'm not gonna say the name because mm-hmm. it is back in Arkansas and I know we have people there that listen and they would they they might know him anyway because he's just the kind of guy that would do this. Uh and they're like, I go to that church over there. Dude had been the pastor there for like ten years. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like he's like, Really? Really? Well, I go to church there too. And the guy goes the guy goes, yeah, since since we got that new pastor, I haven't been around. And he was like, wanted to say like a decade. Yeah. That's, right? Is that a new pastor when he's and been he goes, there for 10 years? He goes, well, why don't you, why don't you just come back? You can sit with me and we'll give the guy a shot and see what you think. Right. His goal was to have the guy come sit with him right. and then get up and go preach and just be like, 
There you go. Uh, <laughs> didn't happen. Oh, it's too bad. All of, all of that to say, we create, even within Christianity, these systems of works, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a member of a church. Mm-hmm. I, I know of a church that used to send out letters after six months of absence saying there are a number of people that believe having their name on a church membership is the same as having their name on the roll for heaven. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be that stumbling block for you. So we've taken your name off. Wow. Um, but those kinds of things, just to say, I either pray, I show up at church, I know a little bit about the Bible, I, I open the door for people that are coming behind me, whatever level of works it is, that's going to be enough to tip the scales. Mm-hmm. It's going to be enough. Um, and it's, it's works. Yeah. That's how most people believe we're going to escape. That's our hope. I'll do enough good to make up for my evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, the works, the works based, uh, salvation is definitely primary. I think there's also kind of the, I think in more recent years, um, there is kind of this renewed spirituality in Western culture. Yep. I think that's kind of kickstarted. You kind of got like you know, like the Oprah version of Christianity mm-hmm. where it's just like seeking the good, mm-hmm. right? Seeking God, you know, in whatever form you think he, she, it takes, right? right. And that, that pursuit of the higher power is this spiritual journey that you are on and you will surely find them, right? We have the mountain analogy, you know, just take a different route up the mountain, but we all get there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, like what those people, you know, even though some of those people would might profess to some kind of brand of Christianity, um, like our, our ability to be saved, our, our the escape that, that we have um, isn't about us journeying up a mountain it isn't about us journeying towards God. It's about when God came down to us, right? right? And uh, and I mean, you think that would be appealing, but for some reason, um, for a lot of people, it's not. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea that God knows my heart mm. is really the umbrella argument for all of these things, whether it be our works or just a spirituality kind of a thing, right? God knows my heart, and he knows I really don't hate him. Um, The Bible talks about God knowing our heart. It's rarely positive. Mm -hmm. I would say it's positive in the conversation with Peter and Jesus as Peter is recommissioned. Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of that, I would be hard-pressed to find a positive statement about God knowing our hearts. Mm Mm-hmm. If we are living in rebellion, doing being like, I don't want to worship God the way he has called me to worship him. I don't want to be engaged in his mission and his church in the way that he has called me to. But he knows my heart. There's a chance that he knows our heart better than we do. Mm-hmm. And he knows that it's rebellious where we don't see it as that. Yeah. No, I think that's... Yeah. So that's why it's not an answer. Yeah. What does the catechism give us for an answer? Because now that w- when we're recording, we have the wave files going here. I have a visual on how much more I'm talking than you. So this is <laughs> me, a visual this, of me saying, shut up, Tim. And let this Marshall is you talk. opening the door. Uh, so the answer from the catechism to this question 
of is there any way to escape punishment and be brought back into God's favor? Yes. To satisfy his justice, God himself, out of mere mercy, reconciles us to himself and delivers us from sin and punishment for sin by a redeemer. Mm. So, yeah, in this answer, we get we get a glimpse of who God is, right? We see both the, the justice and mercy, both part of the character of God. And God is faithful to his own character. So he will not do away with justice in order to be merciful or, or vice versa. Both those right. things have to be accomplished because that's who he is. He's faithful to himself. And here's where this episode gets really hard. Mm. Next week's question is, who is the Redeemer? Right. And all we want to do right now is talk about that. Right. Yeah. So the, what we have to do is we have to just sort of sit at, there is a Redeemer. Because otherwise we'd be recording next week's episode, which <laughs> would not air until the week after that. So we would be, it would be a whole sort of mess. Sure, sure. But there is a Redeemer. Yes, there is. And there's your cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the passage of scripture that is uh, given uh, for this question is, comes from Isaiah 53, uh, verses mm-hmm. 10 and 11. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Mm. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. Mm -hmm. That's tough language. Mm Mm-hmm. There's there's this thing. We we talked about this in a sermon series over uh, Easter mm-hmm. <clears throat> when we were talking about the servant songs, the idea of atonement theories. Mm-hmm. Um, PSA, penal substitutionary atonement, is the idea that there was a penalty due a substitute made, an atonement granted. Mm. There, there is a group that would respond to that and say, no, Christ gave himself out of love. But there was nothing in that about penalty or will or the rage and the wrath of the father Mm. being needing to be released and put on him right um this is here in our local context very much anabaptist meeting house kind of theology Mm. that takes the whole substitution uh and penalty out of the cross um in my mind, removing all of the Redeemer language. Yeah. More globally, N.T. Wright pushes really hard against this to the point that, um, oh man, I should have been better prepped for this. When it talks, there's a song, Modern Hymn, uh, the Gettys. Oh, In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone, 
Uh, and on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Right. Um, he won't sing that line. Mm-hmm. When his church sings that song, he sings something like the love of God was magnified. Yeah. Uh, that he, boy, we have we been together so long you can read my mind like that? Or did you just heard N.T. Wright give this speech? I hadn't, I hadn't uh, known that N.T. Wright had a beef with that particular lyric, but I know that other people have. Yeah, yeah. So he he won't sing that line because he can't he can't reason. And N.T. Wright, in some ways, is a brilliant theologian. He's super smart, really smart guy. There are just a couple of things where he's very Anglican. <laughs> it, it, just to say that he's given to Anglican theology in a way that he doesn't break from it. Mm. Um, and I think it causes him to read some things wrongly, but mm-hmm. notwithstanding, um, most people could care less, and especially anti Wright, <laughs> what Tim thinks about anti Wright's <laughs> theology. Uh, but anyway, anyway, the concept of the Redeemer. Mm requires that a penalty be satisfied. And when the Bible says it was the will of God, it doesn't mean that God was just sitting up there being like, there there are two sort of caricatures that could go with this. God just sitting up there being like, I need somebody to smack around. Right. (laughs) And Jesus says, hit me, don't hit them. That's that's not. That's not it at all. The other caricature that goes forward is God being like, oh no, there's this wrath that is, overwhelming that needs an outlet what do i do with it mm-hmm. and jesus saying i i don't know I'll, I'll just i'll take it but but i have to exercise this wrath that's not it either no before the foundations of the earth this agreement was made christ was a willing participant in this right and, with and the father and i think the beauty of how these questions are strung together shows us that sin requires justice. Yeah. And so it's it's justice and and is it wrath? Well, yeah, condemnation is an expression of wrath. Jesus takes on the curse. Oops. Spoiler, I just told everyone who the redeemer <laughs> just is. Keep going. Stop, we're going to start all no, over again. No, no. <laughs> uh yeah. But there there is there is the taking on of the curse. On our behalf. Mm-hmm. Yes, out of love. So I'm down for some sprinklings of Christus Victor and that, that God achieves a victory out, out of the love of the Redeemer mm-hmm. as a substitution for the penalty that we might be atoned. Sure. And so you you got to have both here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Yeah. The... Um the commentaries uh, for this week uh, are really good. Jonathan Edwards, um, who is always um, uses beautiful language, and he actually talks about the beauty of the gospel. And again, spoiler alert here, but he talks about bringing the the the, the what the gospel does is it brings together the the humility and the love and the grace of Christ with the depravity of our sin and an understanding of God's wrath and the necessity that it, you know, that sin must be punished and all these different parts are working together to create this, this beautiful picture, this beautiful reality. Um, the other, the other commentary, Mika Edmonston, mm-hmm. uh, pastor in, uh, in Michigan, uh, talks about the idea of like a movie theater, how you went to go see star Wars 
and they forgot to turn the lights off, and a bunch of guys like stormed out and complained. Okay. And he was talking about how like the need for the lights to be off, like to understand like the depth and the depravity of our sin, uh, is important because in that the gospel shines more brightly, right? And that's something that we've we've said before. That I've said before, um, yeah. And, and I think it's it. How do we handle like this idea? Like it was the the will of the Lord to crush him, or like the NASB actually like used the word like that he was pleased to crush mm-hmm. him, right? That's one way you could render the Hebrew. God wasn't pleased by the the sin that necessitated that those things, right? God wasn't pleased when uh, with Judas who betrayed Jesus. He wasn't pleased right. with the Sanhedrin who were conspiring or the crowd or, or he wasn't pleased with that, but he was pleased with the obedience of Christ. Right. It, and and not pleased with the action. Mhm of crushing him right but pleased with the obedience and and what would come from it right and that's why when we read it was the will of the lord to crush him we see jesus and god as you said with his eternal plan for the redemption of mankind Mm -hmm. and it wasn't out of fear it wasn't begrudged it was mutually received mm-hmm. as a good but necessary thing mm-hmm. that would take place for the redemption of all creation. Mm-hmm. It was pleasing in a sense, or it was, you know, it was good because by laying on this judgment on the Redeemer, the people of God could therefore be redeemed. Right. Right. And so, like, it's a like it was a good it was a good plan it was the only it was the only way for god's justice and god's mercy to um to both be held mm-hmm. right and for a way of rescue to be made for us and and i think the reason the reason that those who have a problem with this would have a problem is because it's hard to reconcile these things outside of our own human experience mm. and and in our human experience, these kinds of things are not good because we are ignorant and impotent, mm. right? We're ignorant of what the right choice is. And oftentimes when we place punishment, there are so many factors of is this justifiable? Is it too much? Is it not enough? Am I sure that the thing that happened actually happened? Mm. So many questions around sure. those kinds of things because we're ignorant. Mm-hmm. But God is not. Yeah. We're also impotent in that we can give a punishment that is not effective. And so my kids do something wrong. I can tell them, you know, whatever, this is your consequence. I don't know if that's going to change anything. Right. I just throw it out there and hope that it does. Mm. Right. But God is knowledgeable of what has been done and of what the outcome will be. And he's powerful to make that outcome come to pass. Yeah. And so it is something that is done in omniscience and something that is effectual because of his uh, uh, omnipotence. Mm. And so I, I think, I think that has to be, understood this is not the human experience being played out by God. Mm-hmm. 
right? He's not just a bigger, better version of us. He's other. And so whatever experience we have with punishment for the sake of restoration doesn't apply Mm -hmm. because the judge is different Mm -hmm. entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And the the cross was, was perfect. I mean, again, I'm, Spoiler alert! But how do you, how do you, <laughs> how do you not, how do you not, right? Yeah. Even in the commentaries for this, like, there's a one another quote from this uh, from Mika Edmondson. I just want to read just a couple, mm-hmm. couple sentences here that I found really great, just to kind of summarize what it is that we've talked about. God was pleased because through the cross, the Son of God would be glorified, the people of God would be saved, the justice of God would be satisfied, and the love of God would be revealed. The cross was not a tragic accident. It was God's will, his plan to save his people through the work of the Redeemer and to reveal the immeasurable riches of his glorious grace. Hmm. Sounds like an end note. I think so. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walger. Good day. You too.